The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting, as usual, from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and I'm so pleased to welcome you today. We have a topic that's of of really serious importance. We're going to be talking about uh, an addiction program that you can do online for for any kind of addiction, actually, and it's a problem that we're seeing more and more of. According to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, an estimated 36 million people abuse opioids worldwide with an estimated 2.1 million in the United States. I think that may be a low number. I'm not sure. Uh, who, Who suffer from substance use disorders related to prescription opioid pain relievers and an estimated 500,000 addicted to heroin. Those are still big numbers. Whether they're accurate or not, I have an idea. There's so many unreported that we don't have an accurate number. The consequences of this are devastating and they're on the rise. The number of unintentional overdose deaths from prescription pain relievers has soared in the United States more than quadrupling since 1999. We hear all too often about school children taking prescription drugs from their parents' medicine cabinets and sharing them with friends or selling them on school grounds and then children being rushed to the ER. We had that on our news here in Arizona just this week. We hear about lives devastated by addiction and families destroyed by it. We also hear too often about programs that fail people who were seeking help. After seeing the opiate epidemic soar out of control and how it has affected close family members and friends, as well as millions of other Americans, Dr. Alex Safiris developed Recovery Superstar, a complete online program for people in recovery from opiate and other addictions, and we're going to talk about that and other aspects of her medical practice today. Let me spell her name for you because I spelled it wrong on one of my postings, and I want you to be sure and know who she is because you're going to want to know. Her name is Dr. Alex Zafiris, Z-A-P-H-I-R-I-S. She's an integrative medical doctor, board certified in family medicine, addiction medicine, and integrative medicine. 
Her clinically proven approach has helped many people get off and stay off of opiates, heroin, meth, alcohol, tobacco, and other substances. She's a member of the Alliance for Addiction Solutions and sees patients for integrative medicine, primary care, and addiction recovery in Marin County, California. Be sure to go to the self-improvement blog and read her bio. And while you're there, watch the short video in her bio. And you probably want to move to California just to have her for your doctor. It's my privilege to welcome her to the self-improvement show. Dr. Alex Zafiris, welcome. Thank you so much, Irene. It's really a pleasure to be here. And I'm so glad that you're taking this time to, so that we can talk about this important topic. Well, I think it's a critically important topic, especially in the way it's affecting families and and how young people are robbing medicine cabinets to sell or take. Um, I I think it's alarming, and we're hearing about it more and more often. The starting place on this show is always this question, though. Tell us about yourself. Who is Alex Zafiris? Uh, Thank you. Um, You know, I'm a medical doctor. I went to UCSF. I came of age in medicine during the time when I learned that um, pain should be assessed as the fifth vital sign. And we were very diligent about assessing pain and treating pain. And it was the era where Mm. these strong medications um, were initially targeted for end-of-life severe pain, you know, cancer pain. And right in the late 90s, early 2000s, the medications got promoted to be used for all sorts of other pain, musculoskeletal pain, back pain, neck pain, menstrual pain, and we saw a, a, a huge increase in the prescriptions, so much that um, Vicodin, which is hydrocodone and Tylenol, has been the uh, 120 per million prescriptions, the number one prescribed drug for many wow. years in a row, and it's, it's just aghast. And so... Um, you know, I came of age in medicine where I saw this huge um, increase and we started to see problems related to this. So as a doctor, it's, you know, we, um, you know, label these patients negatively and judge them as doctor shopping and as drug seeking. And, you know, these are people who got addicted to them. We used to think that they weren't addicted. And so I, um, you know, I, I was just, you know, doing my job learning medicine and becoming a doctor and you know this huge problem was became right in my face and it was just so clear you couldn't ignore it and um, I've uh, been working in this area now for five or so years really diligently trying to get other kinds of solutions and approaches out there because what we're doing isn't working. Yeah, you, you state on your website addiction is a medical problem and requires medical treatment People deserve medical treatment that is free from judgment and guilt. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I mean, people are, with addictions are struggling. They don't need judgment and guilt, you know, piled onto that. How does your approach differ from the more traditional approaches to treatment? You know, I, I, I just see a lot of judgment in this whole arena. Well, we used to think that people who had problems with substance use, people who were addicted, were had a problem with willpower. They were weak. 
they, um, you know, that it was a problem, it was a moral judgment on them as their quality of a human being. And it was not perceived as being um, a medical issue, a neurochemical issue, a brain issue, uh, a coping response to whatever it was that they went through. I mean, the amount of trauma that people who, have, who end up um, with addictions, you know, both childhood trauma, emotional, physical, sexual trauma. I mean, these, there are huge numbers of, uh, uh, in, the, in the history when you start talking to people and getting their stories. So, you know, the, the, the newer kind of more sophisticated way of appreciating it is that the substance use is really just a, an attempt to try and treat some underlying um, mental health problem, depression, anxiety, some neurochemical imbalance. And I feel like the tide is so ever slowly starting to change in this direction. Um, but this, the holdouts are, you know, as a society, you know, sort of the kind of huge amounts of judgment, um, you know, that is still pervasive. But I frankly, you know, as this problem has become so widespread that, you know, hardly anybody know, doesn't know somebody who has this problem. So, you know, with the numbers, particularly of opiate addiction, it's about 1 in 130 Americans. So just think of how many people wow. you have in your community, how many friends you have on your Facebook, you know, a couple of hundred people. You know, one or two of those people probably have this problem, but you just may not know it, and they just are so ashamed that they don't say anything. And so, you know, that is not helping us anymore. And, in fact, it's contributing to more and more people dying. And so that's the thing that um, really gets me and the reason I'm, you know, so kind of passionate about this. Uh, it's not people's fault. It's a, it's a medical issue, and it's, a, it's really a neurochemical attempt to balance their brain. And, you know, if we can actually have, um, you know, better solutions that start to get to the root of some of these neurochemical imbalances, then we have, you know, we're giving people half a chance. But, you know, the first step is acknowledging that these pills are addicting. So that was the first challenge is uh, initially doctors didn't think it was, and now it clearly are. And the, stat, the latest stat that I heard was that of people who are on chronic opiates, so chronic, so opiate, what's an opiate? Let's just define our words a little bit because people may not know what we're talking good, about. So good. what's an opiate? An opiate is a class of medication that includes Vicodin, Percocet, Oxycontin, Oxycodone, Morphine, these are all opiates, and heroin is also an opiate. So, but it's these huge number of all of these prescriptions. And so, when I do talks, you know, publicly on this, and I ask people who has wanted, who has ever been given one of these prescriptions for Vicodin or Percocet, you know, eighty, ninety percent of the hands go up. Absolutely. And then, you know, yeah. who still has this prescription in their closet and in their medicine cabinet? Eighty to ninety percent of the hands go up. So that's what you alluded to at the very beginning. You know, anyone who's ever had dental surgery, you know, and what eighteen, you know, how many eighteen-year-olds? in this country get their wisdom teeth out. Almost all of them get their all wisdom teeth out. All of them, yeah. So they're all given these prescriptions. And, you know, it's not that saying that, you know, every one of them is going to get addicted, but, you know, um, teenagers, and teenagers are a unique breed, and we can talk more about teenagers, you know, they tend to take risks. And their brain actually is not, um, the, you know, um, the way it, they're, they're actually really susceptible to abusing drugs. The part of their brain is called the posterior subcortical region. That's the go system. That's the part of their brain that um, um, produces dopamine. And um, that is very developed. It's developed very early in their brain and the sort of experimentation, that kind of risk-taking 
um, part of their brain. And the prefrontal cortex is actually the stop part of the brain. That's the abstract thinking, decision-making, judgment, all these things we wished our teenagers had. Those take longer to mature. That part of the brain doesn't really fully form until they're closer to 25 years old. And so in teens, that reward system is really overactive, and that stop system really has a hard time keeping up. And so... Um, you know, the teens are uniquely at risk for experimentation and drug use. So and they like 90- that high. <laughs> they like that high. Yes, of course. No, and it's interesting 90% to me. of those who become addicted start using before the age of 18. So, yeah, you know, I've if we can keep our teens from using. What's that? I've had several surgeries, and after them, I've been on pain, pain medication. And I hated it. I absolutely yeah. hated it. I hated the way I felt. I couldn't think. I didn't like it. I would, at, at the point that I could endure the pain, I would rather have the pain than the medicine. And, you know, I'm, one of my questions is, yeah. what makes the difference here? Why did I hate it? And other people really love it and want more of it and want to stay on it. it it's got to be a brain thing as exactly. much as anything. And one of the things I read this morning that surprised me, and, and I want to ask you about this, is that they they were saying that 50% of it is genetics. Yes. And, and is, is that a true thing? I want to talk more about this whole, why are we so different in our response to drugs idea. Yes, I think I think that is a really important question. It's that neurochemical individuality that predisposes one person as opposed to another. So, you know, the person who takes two Vicodin and they're throwing up, you know, in the corner is not going to get hooked on them. No. They're just not. The person who takes two Vicodin and they feel like they're king of the world they feel like they're Superman. These are quotes from my patients. This is what they say. Their anxiety goes away, and they feel like they, can, they have energy. It energizes them, and they feel like they can go into that meeting and make that deal, go up to and talk to that girl that they like, you know, go perform in their uh, football game or you know, on stage, whatever the sort of stressor is for them. You know, if somebody takes two Vicodin and they feel like they're king of the world, their brain is going to remember that, and that's yeah. gonna make that, it's going to imprint. And, and I want to talk it out again. about that more. It's time for us to go to break, how fast this goes. Um, well, I want to really go into it a little more after the break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. Alex Zafiris, saying stay tuned. We're going to be back with more. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back. My guest today is Dr. Alex Safiris. We're talking about addiction and we're going to be talking about her program. Before the break, we were talking about a predisposition uh, to addiction. I want to talk a little bit more about it and a little bit more about what's happening in the brain. Um, So I'm just going to turn it over to you, Alex, and let you expand on that. Yeah, so we were talking about, you know, the person who is nauseous isn't, from taking Vicodin isn't going to get addicted, but the person who feels like they're king of the world, you know, that person's going to remember it. And I, I can tell you that clinically what I've noticed, and I haven't actually seen anybody do any real writing about this, though, is that in particular my patients who get hooked on opiates were the ones who got energy from them. They really were kind of more of a stimulant for them. So opiates are interesting. You know, for some people they put them to sleep, and then for some people they're stimulants. So this yeah. I can't move. I, I literally yeah. cannot function. Yeah. So this is the unique, you know, the biochemical individuality that we have. You know, other drugs are sort of similar too. You know, marijuana for some people, um, you know, kind of puts them to sleep. They take it, they use it before bed for anxiety. And for other people, they use it and it gives them energy to go out and do their day. So, you know, this is the part that's individual. And when I'm talking with my patients, you know, I try to find out what is the substance doing for you? You know, when, you know, if they can separated off enough to, you know, to say, yeah, it gave me energy, um, then I know that they're kind of a low dopamine um, kind of personality, um, kind of neurochemistry. So um, things, you know, my treatment for that person is going to think about how to boost dopamine for them. So dopamine is that precursor to, to epinephrine and norepinephrine and basically adrenaline. So um, in particular, people who get hooked on opiates seem like they're kind of a low dopamine kind of uh, neurochemistry. So um, this is a part that, that not too many other doctors are thinking about or looking at. And in my mind, if I need to fix that low dopamine. You know, what can, what can we do to repair that um, in order to, um, you know, get to that root uh, cause that may be contributing to their drive and desire for the substance? It seems to me that the difference, and this is even before we're talking about your program, because I've been reading about it online, the difference here is that you're holistic. You're seeing people who are addicted as people who are addicted, not as an addiction. Um, I think that makes all the difference in the world. One as of the an addict, yeah, not yeah. We're trying to move away from language that's judgmental. So for some 
people, the word addict can be a judgmental term. Um, some people find it sort of an empowering term. You know, 12-step is all about, you know, my name is John and I have an addiction and I'm an addict. You know, it's sort of there's a, an empowerment piece of that sort of claiming. Um, but it's also been a term that's been used um, to, as for, you know, with a negative connotation. So medically, I feel like we're, I'm trying to help move things away towards using language that's not judgmental and admitting that this is actually a medical problem. And, you know, we don't call, you know, people with, we don't blame people with diabetes. You know, yes, maybe Maybe they were overweight and that contributed, but we don't like, you know, judge them negatively and say, oh, you don't deserve treatment because you got yourself, it was your fault that you got diabetes because you didn't eat well and you didn't exercise and now you're overweight and now you have diabetes and, you know, now we're just going to shun you. I mean, it's ridiculous to think about another, you know, medical problem. We, you know, we don't, this is, you know, kind of uniquely, um, you know, how we treat people with addiction, so... But even more than that, you, you you look at them as a whole being, and as I understand it, and I want to talk about your program, you, you look at all aspects, including nutrition, which for some reason, many in the medical profession don't consider, uh, you know, anything that needs to be a part of the program. Yeah. And and yet, you know, it's, it's always been interesting to me that we eat at least three times a day, most of us do. And that food makes, you know, some kind of impact on our physical state as well as our emotional state. And doctors don't consider that an important therapeutic tool, but one little tiny pill is. It's oh, much faster. You know, if you're on mind. a 15-minute model, seeing patients, you know, 20 yeah. patients in a morning, you know, 15-minute model, it is much easier and faster to write a prescription than it is to really talk with through with somebody, you know, what are you eating? You know, tell me what you ate in the last 24 hours. Um, tell me what your life is like. You know, what happens to you in the evening after dinner? Oh, you know, it takes time to find out about your patients. And, you know, if you're working in a 15-minute model, they're just, the structure of medicine is not designed designed to actually help people get to the root of the problem, which is why I have a different structure in my practice, because I just don't want to work that way. And I find that I don't want to, you know, it burns doctors out. This is why we have a shortage of primary care doctors in our society and why healthcare is so expensive, because people are always going in and out of the doctor one symptom per visit and never actually getting to the root of it. So, you know, this is the nature of integrative medicine. It's holistic. It's mind, body, spirit. It's looking at Um, the person in all of their areas of their life, both as an individual, a member of their family, a member of their community, a member of their, you know, their work environment, and, you know, um, how to help them find the path that's going to lead them to health. You know, they're an expert in their life. You know, I'm an expert in medicine and integrative medicine and addiction, but I really look at my patients as being the expert in their life, and they know they have this, you know, knowledge of their own life. And, you know, so I really try to start with their, their wisdom and help them uncover their wisdom so that it's then coming from within them. So, you know, that takes time. Um, and so most doctors don't, aren't even comfortable dealing with that because they feel like it's a can of worms or they don't even know what nutrition to recommend, for instance. No, so they we're not don't. really taught. I mean, we had a fight to get a nutrition class in medical school, and I don't think we actually even ever did. I think one student just who was organizing it finally gave up. So, you know, this is the extra education that I've sought out and done on my own, you know, over the last 15 years. Um, and, and we started out with Hippocrates, who said, let me. You did, yes, food, food is medicine. Food. Absolutely, yep. food is medicine. So, food you know, medicine. when my patients, 
you know, start to understand that their food can affect their mood and their mood can affect their cravings and their triggers to use, and people can start to make simple, simple changes. Um, you know, if they start to understand the value of it, for instance, you know, every cell in the body has a, a, a lipid bilayer. Made of lipid means a fat. So if you're eating bad quality fats, you're going to have poor quality cells that are going to be inflexible and rigid and not be able to do their job well. Every nerve cell, you know, is lined with fat. And you want that, if you want, if we want to help your brain heal and recover, we need to give your brain the best quality raw material so that it can have the resources it needs to heal and recover. And starting with good fats is, a, is really important. Um, so that's a fundamental nutrient that your brain needs. And eating McDonald's, I'm, I hate to you know, blame McDonald's, but you know, eating fast food, I'll, I'll say it that way, um, that's highly processed you know, with high in omega-6s that are pro-inflammatory and trans fat, you know, this stuff is, it creates inflammation. And we're learning more and more about the role of inflammation in many diseases from diabetes to depression to cancer to Parkinson's. And so moving towards an anti-inflammatory diet is healing and restorative and can help the brain recover and the body recover from a whole variety of different problems. So see, you're getting um, me really close to my soapbox of, you know, can, <laughs> we, can we get good food now with the way food is processed and what we're buying in the grocery store? Uh, you have to, you know, so the, the anecdote is to shop on the, the perimeter. Shop, of the shop on the perimeter of the store many. and never go in the middle. You yeah. Know. Uh, there's a few things I buy in the middle, but most of the yeah. things, n- no, you, you just, you know, the chemicals in our food and our cosmetics and, you know, almost everything we touch has to be affecting us in some way. So, you know, uh, it's yeah. really easy to get overwhelmed and feel like, um, you know, I don't know where to start. And so one of the things that I really try to do with my patients and what I've been told that I do well with patients is, you know, um, picking things that are doable, that are simple, that are easy to integrate, that have high yield effects. And yes. so we just start with one thing at a time. And, you know, because the analogy that I, that I use, the image that I have is, you know, like a still pond. If you toss a, a stone into the middle of a pond, those ripples will ripple out. And so if you just make one good change in your life, other things will change. You know, you make one good change in your diet, your mood will change, your energy will change, your sleep may change, your outlook may change. And so, you know, you don't have to change everything all at once, you know, but just starting with one thing that feels doable, it it can be very powerful. And in, in a lot of ways. Let's go back and talk a little bit about your online program called Recovery Superstar. I, I think this is, you know, this is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show. I think I need to have you on the show about 20 times so we <laughs> can get through all this. But uh, you have a program that people can do online, and I think that yeah. is so important. That people yeah, it have became clear to me, you know, there was only so many patients I could see one-on-one in my office, and there are so many people, uh, you know, all over that, you know, this is a huge problem, and there's just only so many people I can reach one-on-one. So I had the idea a few years ago is I should just make a class for my patients so that I can also teach them all this stuff that, um, you know, they, that I'm repeating over and over again one-on-one, and also to bring people together. So there's this How idea has it been of, received? What's that? How has it been received? Do the patients it's been like- really well received. Yeah. Uh, the patients that have have done the class feel like they're um, they're 
able to implement these small changes one at a time and really make big impacts in their brain chemistry. And, you know, they're impressed with, oh, I just started taking this one supplement and it happened to be the supplement that they're like, wow, my mood is better and I'm not depressed anymore and I'm sleeping better. And so, you know, um, empowering people to find the solutions that are the ones that they need um, has been really such a, um, you know, just helping people get to that place on their own with support. So, you know, I'm acting as a coach and a guide and people support each other and it's private and online. And so it's anonymous, so unlike 12-step, which really isn't anonymous, especially if you live in a small town. And no one else is teaching this whole neuroscience approach, this approach about food as medicine. And what supplements might you need? Do you need any supplements? What supplements are the right ones for you? And then the whole mind-body piece, you know, how to um, change your thinking, um, how to kind of hack your brain to um, start shifting your mindset. And what practices should you do to help you sleep and cultivate um, well-being and a kind of peaceful mind and peaceful heart? Okay, you so bring you up a lot pain. of questions. Before you know, before we get past this, who can do this? Do you have to? Do you have to be their doctor? Do they have to be seeing you, or can somebody who's been struggling with addiction get online and, and get your program? Yeah, that's so a great how question. do they do that? Yeah. So the point was to make it so that they didn't have to be my patient. So I've expanded it now beyond. And the class that we have right now, there's people all over the country that are in the class. And they have, uh, um, so I'm acting as a coach and not as their medical doctor. So they don't have to have, uh, they don't have to be my patient. They don't have to live locally. I do have some patients in the class too right now. But there's most of the people actually are all over the country. So it's... um, it's really just so enjoyable because people are all over and they're supporting each other and they're making huge changes in their lives. And so in terms of addiction, you know, I initially started out working with people with opiate problem and particularly people who are, who maybe got on Suboxone and wanted to eventually get off Suboxone, which is a whole other conversation we can have. We're, we're, nobody's really talking about how to get somebody off Suboxone and the stats are terrible. You know, 80 to 90% of people are going to relapse. And so I started doing this course um, because, in particular, I had some lovely young women patients who were in their late 20s and wanted to maybe eventually get off the medication and be able to have a baby, and I thought they deserved to have a second chance at life and be able to have a baby if they wanted to and not be kind of um, held back by this their whole lives, and I thought they deserved to have a second chance. And so that was my initial population was how can I stack the deck in favor of my patients so that they can heal their brain and get off Suboxone and move on with their lives. And then over the years since then, I've been working with people with all sorts of other addictions from methamphetamine to alcohol and marijuana and really saw that the same principles apply, Um, feeding the brain, individualizing neurochemistry and giving the supplements that are the right supplements for that person and the whole mind-body piece. And so it didn't matter if it was a different addiction, it all still applied, and um, the underlying roots were often the same. There's some nuances with the different substances, but it was clear that uh, it wasn't just an opiate, um, you know, it, the same solutions worked for other people. So I have people now who have alcohol problems, and uh, people also who are uh, on um, different medications, actually, that they're trying to get off of, so that's another group. Um, people who are on um, antidepressants, for instance, and are trying to get off of them. So that's another another group. 
if somebody listening or if somebody who sees about your program on the website wants to get into your program, how do they do that? Yeah, I think there's a link on recoverysuperstar.com to find out about the next class. So we're in the middle of one class right now, and this class will be ending in late April, and we'll be gearing up to do the next class probably towards the end of the summer, early fall. We haven't, we haven't put the dates together exactly yet, but it'll be later in the fall, um, so it'll end before the end of the year. And so um, uh, they can just sign up, and then as soon as we announce it, they'll be the first to know, and they can sign up. And it'd be great to get a nice group together for the next uh, next class. We've been running this for a few years now, and it's been really great. Now, you did a webinar not long ago um, as well. I noticed that the, the webinar is no longer available, but you're going to be doing more. Uh, yes. What do you do with your webinar, and who who should who should be a part of your webinar? Yeah, I was really surprised when I did the last one. Um, actually, I was tar- initially just targeting people who are um, in recovery themselves, and I was so surprised to see how many parents um, had tuned in and how many ad- other addiction professionals. So, to me, it really spoke to the need. Um, for, for other addiction professionals really have this desire to um, learn more skills and tools and approaches because they've also been seeing that what they've been doing isn't enough. Um, so um, I'll have to see kind of how things evolve in the future, but it, it seems like there's a big need to start spreading this to other professionals too. Um, hmm. so I do have Maybe that's that a whole new webinar or even a course yeah. Uh, to provide this information to other professionals who are seeing that what they're doing is not totally effective. Unfortunately, it's not. I mean, that was part of the reason why I started this, too. I mean, I'm a big fan of therapy and psychotherapy, but they're not going to learn all these other skills and tools in psychotherapy. And 12-step can be very useful, but, you know, you go to most 12-step meetings and it's coffee and donuts and, you know, people aren't really... Um, talking about nutrition there either or about supplements. And, in fact, there's a really often kind of a backlash against taking any kind of medications or supplements in 12 steps. So, you know, we, we sort of parsed ourselves into a corner, and nobody's really looking at the whole picture, and that's really what I'm doing. And um, that, that's why I'm out here teaching all this stuff because nobody else is really doing it, and it just is heartbreaking to see that this problem isn't going away. You know, basically it's getting worse because now the FDA is cracking down on doctors, on prescriptions, which is, which is good on the one hand, but it's not doing anything for the many millions of people who are already addicted. So if anything, their source is getting cut off and there's even more of a need for treatment now more than ever. Now, hopefully one of these days it'll all come together. I, I think, you know, if doctors have a chance to start seeing their patients as people, <laughs> people who need yeah. help instead of, and you know, I, I just, you know, I'm still, you know, we don't, we don't see people as livers and hearts and addictions and, you know, we see people as people. We make a total difference. Um, but they don't, they do not have time. And when you're highly specialized, you know, that's what you see is who comes to see you. And it's too bad because we kind of forget what we're dealing with, and that's a human being. You say you have a four-pronged approach that gives you the best chance of recovery without relapse. And you go on to say that if you miss any one of these, your likelihood of relapse increases. 
Can you give us the four prongs? What are the four things? Yeah, yeah. I go into um, um, in the webinar that I did. um, I went into this in a lot of detail, and so we don't have the time to go and do it justice. But to give you a flavor of it, um, it's mind, body, spirit, community, and uh, the way that I look at it is a little bit different than maybe um, maybe some people who do have heard that phrase. But mind is partially, um, you know, your mind. Uh, your mindset. You know, what, what is your what is your attitude in your mind? What is your are you pessimistic and negative? And do you look at you blame yourself and have self loathing whenever you use or take your medication? You know, um, so helping someone to start to shift to um, a mindset that's a little bit more of gratitude. Of I may not be perfect. I'm not. I'm still struggling, but I'm at least I'm I'm working on it. Um, you know, just to start to take some of the edge off of that negative self-image, which is so widespread and detrimental, to be honest, um, and to start to move towards cultivating even just an ounce of self-compassion, um, it will go a far way to healing. Um, so mind, mindset, mind-body. The body piece is partially what we've been talking about, nutrition and the neurochemical approach of the body, um, using the right supplements for that person to help uh, address their neurochemical imbalances that may be driving anxiety, depression, cravings to use. So the mind and body are not separate, yeah? In Western medicine, we're very good at separating the mind and the body. Oh, yeah. They are are very closely integrated, as as you know. So um, just because it's a mental problem, it really is also a a physical um, problem, too. So mind, body, spirit. Um, You know, the spirit piece is about finding some new focus, some new life's work, some meaningful new reason to get up for bed, up out of bed every morning. So um, a patient of mine who's a physician who was burned out um, in a traditional setting, um, had an opiate problem. And we're not immune, even as physicians. And, you know, we're, in fact, we're more at risk because we can have access that other people don't. So this physician colleague um, got into some trouble. And he he did very well using this neurochemical approach. And he got, he had had a lot of family support, um, which was really important. Um, I can't tell you how many people, you know, they're sitting across from in the office and I say, who else knows that you're here? Who else knows that this is an issue for you? And they say, nobody. You know, those people are going to have a harder road. You know, does your wife know? No, I can't tell my wife. Those oh. people, you know, it's, it's a, they're, you know, I can tell you that once the wife finds out or the husband finds out, there's usually a crisis, but usually things get better after that. So, um, you know, you know, um, even parents often don't know. Um, so, so support is really so. This this gentleman already had a lot of support, um, but he was burned out in his job as a doctor, and he ended up changing to a new new area within medicine that was something that was very personally kind of motivating for him. He basically started his own sort of organization, and um, I don't want to give too many details about him so no. that he's not recognized, but he uh, now has this 
very passionate project that he is involved with, and he's been doing very well with his recovery. He probably works a little too much, and that's a risk factor. He's kind of a little bit of a you know workaholic in that way, and that, that's a little bit of a concern as his doctor. But he's he's got this now sense of purpose um, that is really deeply meaningful to him. And so that's the kind of spirit piece. you got to have something else that's motivating this is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. Alex Zafiris, saying stay tuned. We're going to be back with more. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self-improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self-improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self-improvement show. My guest today is Dr. Alex Theris. We're talking about addiction and her program, Recovery Superstars, which you can find online. You can go to the self-improvement blog. The links are there. Um, and it's it's recoverysuperstars.com, isn't it, Alex? Recoverysuperstar.com. Yep. No S. Recoverysuperstar.com. Star. One star. You have another, yeah. you have another website called 360 dash md i want to talk about that because i think it's such an exciting thing that you have going on talk about your your practice as a whole because you do more than addiction uh recovery i do i do Uh, i'm a a family doctor and that's my the 360md.com is my medical office in marin county in mill valley california and uh, i have patients come from uh, North Bay down uh, towards San Jose and the East Bay, you know, and um, people tell me, you know, we try to find a doctor like you closer to home so we wouldn't have to travel to see you, but we can't find anybody who's like you. And so, so can you clone you, yourself? I, and <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I were a rich man, 
I would come to you as my doctor. I do not know any other doctor who has the same practice as you. I love what you say, what you state. When a patient comes to my office or when, you, when a patient comes to your office, they will have a consultation with a doctor who truly listens. And my guess is that they go home feeling better even if you don't do a thing. Thank you. Yeah, that's, yeah. you know, there's the therapeutic effect of just listening. And, oh, yes. Um, we often uh, learn something, you know, just taking a good history. You know, this is an old medical art, you know, this is, is taking a good history and listening to the patient. And, you know, we, it's very rare to get that in medicine these days for the reasons we talked about before. And so... Um, I have a really, uh, you know, it's just feel really lucky that I get to have that kind of medical practice. And, um, you know, I know my patients all very well. It's a small office. And, um, you know, they don't I have to tell their exciting. story over and over again to somebody different every time. You know, it's, it's me, you know, so. And, and I watched your video. Everybody should watch your video. Uh, it's so good. And then they could go back to their own doctor and say, you know, would you look at this video? And is there any way? Is there any way Thank we you. can use some of that? Um, because to me, the the approach you have is therapeutic. You know, as well as the things that you do. And I th- I just think you have such a powerful practice. I. I wish we could see more and more and more of it. I hope as you teach, and I know you teach, and I hope some of this rubs off on the students that have you as their teacher. You tell them, I'm sure, something about your practice. Uh, I, I just find it so refreshing to know that there's a doctor who's practicing medicine the way you do. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we, I we still do house calls, even. You do house calls? Yeah. I, I, when I lived in San Francisco, and, I did them on my bicycle. <laughs> let's have you come distinct. to Phoenix, and you can come and see me, see if I can get over this flu. Um, one of the things you have said a number of times, and it seems to me that this would apply regardless of whether a person has an addiction or a hormone imbalance or whatever. You, you talk about hacking your brain. Talk a little bit about what you mean about hacking your brain. Well, we were talking about a little bit before about mindset, about how to shift your um, thinking, unconscious thinking patterns. We all have these tapes that run through our head that we may not be aware of. And um, they can have, you know, big effects on our outlook. You know, the data on um, optimism and is, you know, people who are optimistic tend to live seven, I think it's seven or nine years longer on average. I mean, it has a huge health effect. You know, it's like, why aren't we talking about this? I mean, that's, gosh, that's more powerful than so many medications. And that may give you a year or two, you know, seven or nine years. I mean, that's a huge health, health benefit. So, you know, um, in the language now of our generation, which is about, you know, you know, computers and technology and hacking, you know, we can also start to use some of this technology for good. So there's lots and lots of programs out there that um, have guided audios. I'm a big fan of guided self-hypnosis. These kinds Uh, of, you know, somebody talking in a calm voice, take you on a little journey. You know, um, often when we're left alone with our thoughts, 
you know, they get the better of us. Our mind starts kind of reeling. Those of us who have busy lives and we're juggling family and work and our to-do list, which is never, you know, never everything's crossed off. We have to really struggle and create calm and peace in our lives. And that starts also with our inner life. And, you know, so many people have insomnia and trouble sleeping and, you know, so many people are hooked on Ambien and these kinds of medications. And so for me, hacking your brain is kind of all of that. Um, and um, learning how to um, um, calm your mind and have that oasis inside of your um, inside of your own skin. I'm thinking you maybe write a prescription for meditation. <laughs> Uh, I do sometimes, although, you know, meditation as a word, you know, and somebody's new to it, that can be just a, a very intimidating place to start. So even in my addiction program in Recovery Superstar, you know, a lot of the early lessons are movement meditation. So, you know, you know, somebody may not think they can meditate, but if they can do a movement exercise that ends up creating um, relaxation and, you know, they're so occupied doing it for those few minutes that they're not thinking anything... That's meditation to me. So I I start with a bunch of different movement exercises. What about some of the brainwave programs that are out now? I know one called Project Meditation that's absolutely wonderful. Um, Oh, I'll I'll look into that one. I don't know that one in particular. Project Um, Project Meditation, it's by a company called Life Flow. But if you you Google Project Meditation, uh, you'll come to them. And as I understand it, they have... They really give you what they say they give you, and their programs have been tested and found to be right on. And they, you know, they start you out at a um, theta state, you know, alpha state, and take you. No, no, they start you at a beta state and take you all the way down to delta. And um, now they have a gamma state. And it, you can almost feel it after you've done it a while. It's it's really a solid program, project meditation. Great. Um, Great. Yeah. There's lots around heart rate variability um, programs to help um, increase heart rate variability. And um, I recently learned that there's also brainwave variability. That's a parallel system. Um, there's a, something called LENS neurofeedback, L-E-N-S. I don't know if people are familiar with that. That's something I was recently exposed to. And um, it's a type of neurofeedback that you do mm-hmm. one-on-one with a practitioner. So it's, um, you know, not as accessible as, a, as an Internet program. But uh, for people who have insomnia or um, addiction, that, that's sometimes something that I recommend to my patients. And it I did a series of it around my own sleep issues after I have a, a baby who's now a year old. And once he started sleeping through the night, I stopped. I, I still wasn't sleeping through the night. And so um, one of the things that helped me sort of reset my brain waves, in addition to the supplements that I use and food and all of the things that I was normally using, um, I did some lens treatments and that helped me as well. So Are you familiar the with the heart, lines, ma- I think. the heart math program? Heart math, exactly. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. That targets heart rate variability. Right. Um, yeah, I think they're right out there where you are. Um, some great are, stuff. Yes. You know, there's some great stuff available to people. So using technology for good. You know, it's like we have all this screen time and, you know, um, for better or for worse, we might as well take advantage of, of some of the good benefits of it. 
Absolutely, absolutely. A, a question about nutrition, because I know this is an important part of what you help people with. Are there some absolute must-haves that you recommend to people, these things you really need um, to help you, you know, with your, with, with your addiction? Yeah. Are there things that they absolutely should avoid? Yeah. I'm thinking mainly yeah. of sugar. You know, again, we try to start where somebody is at and we make the changes that they can make at the rate that they can make them, right? Because we're exactly. all human beings and nobody's perfect. And I find that my people with addiction are even more sort of hard on themselves. And so we try not to generate more um, negative self-image. But um, yes. that being said, you know, if I had my druthers and could paint a perfect diet for somebody in a in addiction recovery, the first thing I would think about is making sure that they had enough protein three times a day. So protein has all the amino acids that get broken down from the protein in your diet and they get recombined to make all the different neurotransmitters. So endorphins, epinephrine, norepinephrine, GABA, serotonin, those all come from amino acids. So if you're not eating enough protein, your body is not going to have those raw materials. So that's the first thing. The vast majority of people are having coffee in a pastry uh, or even just coffee and out the door in the morning. They're not eating anything until, you know, many hours later. That's wrecking havoc on blood sugar and it's not giving the, the body the precursors that it needs. It's sending the body into emergency mode by stimulating secretion of cortisol to maintain blood sugar at all costs. And so your body is going to emergency mode, and whether or not you're aware of it, it's cre- it often creates anxiety. People feel shaky, um, and it, 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 you know, those are um, anxiety is something that most a lot of people with addiction struggle with. And so, you know, by maintaining a consistent blood sugar, you can maintain a consistent mood, and also consistent yeah. blood sugar. Unfortunately, some of them drink reach for those high sugar energy drinks and think that that's yeah. going to get them through. Yeah. So the first thing I try to do is just to introduce the idea of breakfast with protein in it. And if somebody is not in the habit of eating breakfast, then, um, then I start with this protein smoothie because they, they're used to drinking in the morning, drinking a, a coffee or an energy drink yeah. or something. So at least if I can get them to drink a smoothie, then we're kind of we're going in the right direction. And so um, my patient who has opiate addiction, who's in my office, um, I, uh, she and I had, you know, she also has a lot of anxiety. She started doing it and she said, I finally did what you've been telling me to do for all these, all these weeks. And she's like, and it was so easy and, um, I feel so much better. And so, oh. you know, it doesn't take very long. And she was like, now I'm eating two eggs a month later. She's like, oh, I'm eating two eggs for breakfast and a sausage or a turkey sausage or turkey bacon. And, um, she feels really good. And now we're going to move the smoothie to dinner time because she teaches and often she ends up skipping dinner and she's kind of a wreck by the time she gets home. She's pulling over to get cookies because she's so hungry. So we're going to give her a smoothie to take to work so at least she can have that as a dinner on the nights that she's teaching. And so protein throughout the day and some vegetables would be really nice because those have all the vitamins that are the cofactors to help the amino acids get converted. And um, some good fats thrown in. I'd love them to eat some omega-3 rich foods, which are wild salmon, sardines. And if not, then take a supplement for omega-3. Um, that's probably my top list. I mean, if well, my high let yield... me tell you, we're right up at the end of the show. And yeah, that's great, great nutrition advice. And so my last question is, what's, what's the thought you want to leave with our listeners today? Um, I, I think it's to have hope. 
um, hope, you know, if you're a struggling family member or somebody who's struggling with addiction or someone who loves somebody with addiction, you know, to have hope that, um, you know, don't give up. If your person is still struggling, there's lots of other approaches, and this is not a one-size-fits-all treatment, and you got to find the right combination of things that are going to help you, and don't give up. And, and, you know, that's the key as far as I'm concerned. Everybody's different, and it is not one-size-fits-all. It's, um, it's so refreshing to hear. Um, I am doing some um, – I may be able to do some kind of Skype consultations for people that are um, out of the area but want to get more one-on-one support, so they can also contact me for that. I just need to work out the details on that, but and I'm where trying to do more of that work. Would they contact you at 360MD or would they contact you at, at uh, Recovery Superstar? Either way. Either way, I'll get it. <laughs> cool. It all comes Alex, through. thank you so much for being with us today. I know you've brought so much to the listeners. Thank you, Irene. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thank you. Uh, this is Irene Conlon with my guest, Alex Safiris, Dr. Alex Safiris, saying thank you so much for being with us today. Come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for The Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.